Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm here with Reverend Childress, and today we're going to be going through a series of questions about racism and abortion for a museum exhibit on racism and abortion. So, so Reverend Childress, I'm excited to have you on the Pro-Life Team Podcast. Um, and in this episode, we're going to be going through these, um, these set number of questions with the idea that we want to capture your, your, your view and thoughts on these questions so that we can pair them up with other um, leaders in order to make this um, exhibit for an, an, a, uh, an exhibit on abortion and racism for a museum. Uh, so if you if you would start off by telling us who who who, uh, who you are, what's your background, and what led you to the subject of abortion, that would be a good place for us to start. Well, I'm the senior pastor of New Calvary Baptist Church here in uh, Newark, New Jersey. Now, uh, we moved to the inner city from Montclair, and I am the regional director for Learn, the Life Education and Resource Network. We're the largest African-American network, pro-life network in the country. And what led me to this was another pro-life activist, uh, Christine Flaherty, happened to stop one of our teenagers and thought that she was going to have an abortion, but she was just going home. <laughs> and she told uh, Christine, my pastor's already told me about this. I know what that it's wrong and I know what it's doing to our culture and she was surprised being an African-American that uh, the young lady who is now my youth director by the way Sharifa Graham oh Sharifa Brown excuse me and uh, she came by to visit and she asked me to be more involved and I said why not and I had no idea where all that was going to be going but <laughs> I did say yes and I have myself involved, my church involved, and uh, we have chosen to engage the culture and society on the uh, the horror of abortion. Awesome! Thank you for yeah for sharing sharing your uh, your origin story. Um, so, are minorities in America mostly pro-choice, pro-life, undecided, or something else? Well, the African-American community was a deeply religious community. Um, basically, it was the foundation of the culture. It was where we learned our administrative skills was in the church. So there was always that Judeo-Christian ethic that was quite a part of our, you know, social makeup. But uh, I would say, without question, that at heart, they're pro-life, but because of their attachment to the Democratic Party, seeing them as the facilitators of their social justice, um, that has caused them to be caught <clears throat> between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. And they have chosen to support the party, but that's crumbling. That's crumbling as I speak. And so I would say at heart that they are pro-life. From my experience, they know it's wrong. They know it's something that we shouldn't be engaging in. But uh, I also know that uh, they see how they see the Democratic Party as, once again, their champions for social justice and their facilitators of, of truth for government legislation. And um, that's a mistake, of course. But nevertheless, that was the reason why they vote 
so highly democratic. That makes sense. Um, race and racism are politically charged ideas that candidates often use to drum up votes, motivate their base, demonize political opponents. When race is combined with the topic of abortion, candidates can swing a lot of votes in their favor by saying the right thing about race and abortion. In your view, how can black voters avoid being taken for granted and stay principled enough to navigate through the rhetoric and manipulation? Well, uh, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Knowledge always enlightens the mind and they're able to make the proper decisions and choices. But you have to understand the Republican Party, which is basically we have two parties in this uh, country, have been very poor at articulating their message to minorities and have allowed the Democrats to basically to uh, set the stage when it comes to issues and allow them to demonize Republicans as racist. And, and that is the problem right now in the black community. Democrats have done a great job along with liberal media and the, the other liberal factions of demonizing Republicans and basically labeling them as racist. So they can't even hear the message of most Republicans because of that perception. So how would they avoid it? It's up to, as it was in our inception in this country, to be quite honest with you, it's up to the preacher, it's up to the church to regain its place as uh, facilitators of truth, as pontificators of truth and be engaging on every level, uh, the culture and uh, repenting. Uh, the preacher is as much cause for the genocidal effect of abortion in the African-American community as any president, any Congress, <laughs> or, or any other elected official. It, it is the church and the church holds that uh, responsibility. Thank you. Um, some claim that black people and pregnant black women in particular typically receive unequal medical care. So pregnancy poses a higher risk for black women compared to other women. Is this true? And if so, would it help justify abortion choice policy? Well, there is unequal treatment in regards to often, uh, their own perception of African-American women who are being sold abortion, and much so by now, especially in the uh, 21st century, the medical profession feeling it's a good thing for them to uh, cut off the child in their womb. Uh, we did a PBS documentary that actually made, made it onto PBS um, and basically they called it abortion crusaders in the black community. And she called it medical racism, that there was the obvious targeting of the African-American community for abortion. And most African women, African-American women are not told of the detriment, the health ramifications of abortion, the weakening of the uterine lining, the direct link of abortion and breast cancer. Uh, Joel Brin uh, did a conclusive study uh, basically showing that direct link 
of abortion and breast cancer, which no one wants to talk about it because it cannot be refuted, and also the psychological damage that is done to women. So um, it is being sold, it is being marketed, and unfortunately, all the major pharmaceutical companies who basically run the media and run are running this country at this point, um, more or less are basically uh, advocating abortion as an alternative to an untimely pregnancy. Hmm. That makes sense. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so President Joe Biden on the campaign trail said, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for Joe Biden or Donald Trump, then you ain't black. Now, Biden was the Democratic, the Democrat presidential candidate at the time and a committed pro-choicer at the time. What do you think of this quote? Is it just poorly worded, a bad joke, or perhaps it's perpetrating the idea that black people feel a sense of uh, duty to support pro-choice candidates? Well, Joe Biden can make that comment because of the social ills and the uh, deception that has fallen on the African-American community where they habitually follow that party. So he should expect African-Americans to vote for him because that has been the, the precedent prior. And also they have not challenged the platform and its policies. And therefore, because of this spell that of believing to choose any other uh, party other than the Democrat party um, would be, they feel, uh, disastrous for them or not fruitful. But the data is coming out. We had four years of a Republican president that basically was very fair, very just, kept his promises, and now he'll be running on that record. And it's going to be interesting to see when we talk about the accomplishments of Donald Trump, Republican, when it comes to Black issues, how indeed this all fares out. I'm looking forward to the future debate on this because he now, other than running on a promise, he's going to be running on a record. And that record, it far surpasses any president we've ever had when it comes to basically accommodating, well, I wouldn't say accommodating, keeping his promises he made for African-American growth and upward mobility and um, really doing what he said prior to his election. So we have been under, the African-American community has been under a spell um, and it has been deliberate and it's something that has worked. You can't even hold Joe Biden and accountable for all the racist comments he's made simply because of the uh, collaborating with the media that protects him quite well. And uh, we have to, we're, we're getting ready, we're eroding that, that facade and it's, it's, it's about to be seen even more clearly. But the African-Americans can only blame themselves for the, uh, uh, the policies that have basically been such a detriment and, and really destroying the fiber of the African-American community because they have continually not challenged the party that uh, of choice that they have made. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so people have argued that abortion choice policy helps minorities achieve equality and, ov and overcome historic obstacles facing the black community. 
How is that supposed to work? Do you agree or disagree with that logic? Well, I disagree strongly. Uh, that's absurd. Um, we need to make good choices based on simply what has worked for us in the past and also what has caused us to be a, uh, a moral, a, 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 a community of, uh, that recognize the Judeo-Christian ethic, the, the Christian values that the church basically played very much a role in in our lives. And abortion uh, destroys that. Abortion holds a woman hostage for the rest of her life, that she allowed uh, a decision that she made to basically kill a child. Uh, that doesn't go away when you go out of plan, but when you leave Planned Parenthood, that stays with you the rest of your life. And simply also, the as I stated before, the uh, <clears throat> the the medical issues that she'll be dealing with, as well as the male with the psychological issues, both of them with the psychological issues of a ill-advised decision that they, you know, more or less society, uh, it may be the other partner, but certainly the propaganda and the uh, deceitfulness of the abortion industry has caused them to fall into the trap of abortion. And uh, we have to be merciful. We have to be full of grace um, and, and understand that uh, indeed it's probably a decision she would not have made if she had the support and was told the truth. Uh, 18 days, there's a heartbeat. Uh, 42 days, there's brain waves. 85 days, the child is sucking their thumb. Um, if she's told that prior, trust me, or today's uh, technology with the sonogram, um, it, it, it would make a world of difference. It, it is shifting uh, psychologically. I know Roe versus Wade has been overturned, but we have to overturn it in the minds of our people. Hmm. That makes sense. That's good. Um, so what is eugenics and is abortion choice policy aligned with eugenics? Absolutely, it is a lie because eugenics targets a ethnicity, a certain group of people that is attempting to uh, to socially engineer or quite clearly in many cases destroy, exterminate. Uh, Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger, was a eugenist and certainly carried that doctrinal belief and she said, colored people are human weeds that need to be controlled. Well, that's eugenics. We will control the birth and the propagation of the race that we don't want too many of. Uh, it, it's also, I think it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Let's bring it up to more modern times that when Roe versus Wade was uh, passed or 1973 declared, by uh, the Supreme Court, not the people, by the way, that she said, we thought it was done to, con to control populations we don't want too many of. Now, that's from, at the time she wasn't sitting on the Supreme Court, but that's from a future Supreme Court justice. So mm. everyone knew uh, the eugenics mindset that was uh, already at work and certainly uh, you needed the law 
to be changed, just as uh, the laws of slavery and the laws of Jim Crow had to be changed so it would not propagate and, and continue to, uh, to grow. Who is Margaret Sanger and what is the Negro Project? Well, Margaret Sanger was a eugenist, uh, operated around 1930s and 40s. Uh, she created the Birth Control League. And if you want to know the depths of her trade, uh, this woman tutored Adolf Hitler. And I'll repeat that because most people don't know that. She tutored Adolf Hitler. As a matter of fact, there's a letter uh, of thanks from Adolf Hitler's Third Reich for the eugenic training that they had received directly from Margaret Sanger. Now, of course, after eugenics uh, was a bad word after 1940s, 43 after World War II, she changed the name of her organization from the, from the, the Birth Control League to Planned Parenthood. And so the organizational name changed, but the players were still the same and the objective was still the same. And that is proven out today to target minorities or people whom we feel are undesirable, whom they have deemed to be undesirable and uh, make sure that their uh, births or even numbers certainly go into decline and they're targeted through the system around them. It is systemic and certainly right now it's only been because of activism that there has been a degree of deterrency to uh, the situation that we find here with the genocidal effect, uh, certainly on the African-American community. And uh, we're talking 63, over 63 million um, babies overall uh, in the United States. So Margaret Sanger, as it has uh, recently, if your listeners did not know, Planned Parenthood was sued by pro-choicers in the system that were African-American. And so what they had to do, they're being sued as saying that they were biased and racist towards them inside of the <laughs> Planned Parenthood uh, institution. So when that lawsuit started moving to look like certainly that they were going to uh, have to be a settlement, Planned Parenthood for the first time, I thought I almost fell off my chair when I heard it, put out a statement that Margaret Sanger has done great harm to people of color. Well, I had been saying that since uh, 1996, uh, but it was good for their own uh, to have this admission because it began for people to really look into the history and the, the, motive, the motives and the objectives of Planned Parenthood and also a justified, uh, our documentary that we, that was produced by uh, Mark Crutcher of Life Dynamics, uh, My Alpha 21. It certainly put the uh, stamp of authenticity and um, approval on that documentary that was produced in 2009 uh, so it was, it's been a great help because it gets people to look past the veneer and begin to look under the surface of Planned Parenthood and its objectives. Hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I, I think I might have heard 
something about Ad- Adolf Hitler before, but I never had it heard in those words. I, mean, I think I remember hearing something to the effect of he was trying to mimic something that Planned Parenthood was doing, but I did not know that Margaret Sanger tutored him or personally. No, that's him. where he got the idea of concentration camps. Concentration camps idea was based right here in the United States. And uh, she saw that his power and his uh, rule that he could implement it at, at will, which he did. Uh, but that was from the instruction of the Planned Parenthood, uh, well, on the instruction of the Birth Control League's leader, global leader, and that was Margaret Sanger. Hmm. So abortion is sometimes compared to slavery. Is this a fair slash valid comparison? And what are your thoughts? Or please explain your thoughts. Yes, it's the same evil. And evil just mutates, but it's the same. The the parallels are certainly the same. First of all, slavery was based on personhood. Okay, and I'd like for your listeners to know that uh, even with the civil rights movement, which they may be more familiar with, Dr. King basically made his whole case on personhood. And he said, never before has a socio-political document so profoundly and eloquently expressed the sacredness of human personality. Martin, what are you talking about? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all mankind is created equal and endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, in 1857, those rights were desired. They were called non-persons, once again, by the Supreme Court, just as in 1973, it's the same link, children were non declared non-persons. And by the way, there were laws and states in ni- prior to 1973 that did recognize children in the womb as persons. And just as it was in 1857, prior to 1857, there were some states, I believe North Carolina or one of the, was one of them that allowed African-Americans to vote, okay? So certain states, not all. So my point is certainly it was about they're determined to be non-persons. So you have to dehumanize the victim when you are trying to basically uh, benefit or control uh, if abortion was not lucrative it would not be legal. If slavery had not been lucrative, it would not have been legal. And so we find also, just in both instances of slavery as well as abortion, uh, it divided the nation, okay? And uh, basically in the slavery sense, it led to a civil war, Uh, but in a sense also here in modern day time, that it is it, it's a different type of war that we have fought, but it is certainly unquestionably uh, divided the nation. Um, also, we have to recognize that uh, in both instances, as I stated, uh, the people really did not have much of a say in it at all. Uh, and so what we have to recognize also that for all the... Um, pro-choicers out there, that's the same phrase that was used during slavery. 
Well, mm. if you choose to have slavery, that's your choice, but I choose not to. And you hear the same statement <laughs> now. Well, if you mm. choose to have a, 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 a child or whatever, you know, it, that's your choice. If you choose to kill your child, that's your choice. Um, but my choice, it would be not to do that. So choice is nothing new. Pro-choice meant at that point you could have slaves. Pro-choice means at this point you can kill the child. Once again, non-persons still the issue, denying the uh, Declaration of Independence. We did not, by the fact that has been the problem in this country since its inception, we, we do not hold this truth. When that day happens, America becomes America under the vision of the founders. Most of the founders were pro-life. Uh, Adams, uh, I believe Jefferson, I have to check that out, but he owned slaves, so I can't mention his name. But anyway, but they were uh, basically, we did not hold that truth. And so it's the same with abortion as slavery. Once again, uh, slavery existed because we did not hold that truth. Abortion basically exists because we do not hold that truth. Lastly, rights come from God, not government. So therefore, the slave had rights from God that were being denied, and the child today has rights from God that are being denied. The links are, there's more than that, but that's what comes to mind right now. Yeah, thank you for going into depth on that. That's good. It, is abortion more common? Oh, actually, I skipped the question. Hold on. Let me go back. Is race-based abortion legal in the United States? Please explain. Yes, it's legal because people are making the determination basically to target the African-American community by the system. And I would be more concerned about gender-based abortions because many of the, the younger couples especially are killing the girls because the guy wants a boy. I mean, you'd be shocked at the numbers. So yes, um, I believe because of the system is targeting men and women of color, uh, basically that indeed it, it would the motivation uh, for race-based abortions uh, is certainly still very much prevalent. And if you listen to uh, the statistics or hear the statistics of where the the uh, abortion clinics are being placed, uh, 85% of them are being placed in minority neighborhoods. And so uh, we have to understand unquestionably that it is eugenics, it is deliberate, it is systemic. By the, by the way, um, in 1973, when Roe v. Wade was passed, prior to Roe v. Wade being passed, the year before they did a study on how to get African-Americans, Planned Parenthood did the study and United Planned Parenthood, that the global group did the study, paid for it. And they said, how do you get, this is 1972 now, how do you get African-Americans to embrace abortion? Because of this, especially at that time, the strong church-minded based uh, community of African-Americans was rejected. Matter of fact, there are more white abortions 
uh, proportionately more white abortions than black abortions prior to 1973. And so the study said in order to get African-Americans to embrace abortion, it has to be legal. That was 72. <laughs> Next year, Roe versus Wade. By the way, uh, a 5-4 decision, you had to just get to five judges, basically, and they did. Uh, and certainly it was planned. And surprisingly, even though Nixon deemed himself to be pro-life, basically, he talked about it as if he knew that there was a fix on. If you listen to NSSM, uh, it's a video, it's a uh, documentary that was put out. Um, he, he uses some very, very uh, uh, derogatory uh, words towards African-Americans, but nevertheless, uh, he himself basically deemed it be okay because it'd be African-Americans basically that they seem to want to target. Now, those are his words. That's, that's, that's uh, Milhouse Nixon. <laughs> and I'm old enough to remember that election. <laughs> okay. But uh, yes, and uh, he said they were basically targeting, and I'm saying this in a very nice way, they basically want to target the African-American community. And he, he didn't have any problem with that. Hmm. Is is abortion more common among minorities? And what are your thoughts on that? Yes, uh, certainly. If, uh, if five African-American women get pregnant, three will abort. Uh, in the city of New York, Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia, Chicago, and there's a few others. There's more African-Americans being aborted than born. That that is genocide. That is that is horrific, and it's something that most people don't know. But nevertheless, it is something that is being sold. Martin Luther King also had a comment. He said, "Where there is evil, the people will sin. Therefore, it's not so much the people who sin, is that those that create the evil." As I stated before. In order to get abortion to be accepted and where it could be sold as something viable, something that would be good for you. And it's always sold as something to help you become upward and mobile and finish your career. And I understand uh, the the logic in that, but uh, they don't look at the facts of that. OK, and so they make <clears throat> they uh, they make it legal. It, it, it was made legal. When slavery was made legal after 1857, when the Supreme Court actually said they're non-persons, it began to spread profusely throughout the country. So um, we have to understand unquestionably that uh, it is something that there's people now becoming more aware of. And I think those numbers are going to start going heading back. Matter of fact, from what I understand, uh, it is, they are heading back. But uh, once again, as I stated earlier, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And uh, it's up for us now not to reject the knowledge, but abortion um, was deliberately, systemically sold to people of color 
and that had been the plan of the leading killer of African-Americans, which is Planned Parenthood. That is not hyperbole. That's a sociological fact. And so they basically sell it and, and push it and uh, market it to the targeted community. That's eugenics, and that's what's been going on. Has, has abortion choice policy been overall more helpful or harmful for Black people and Black families? Well, not only did it erode the numbers of African-Americans, it eroded the morals of African-Americans. I, I am a preacher and I, I believe in the faith component of every individual. Um, and I certainly have seen the consciousness of a community actually change and, and to disregard life. You talk about what's going on in the streets of Philadelphia and Chicago and going on amongst our young people with the drug trades, the, uh, the violence. Well, basically, though, that's being perpetrated by people who grew up in a world where they could see their mother pregnant and then not pregnant. They hear the term, get rid of it. They hear, uh, why don't you uh, do away with that or get rid of that or kill when it comes reference to a child. Uh, at that point, nothing is sacred anymore. And when you grow up in a society also where the mother said, I didn't have to have you or I wish I didn't have you, uh, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that in the neighborhood. I didn't hear, no one even suggested that, but it is not the case today. And you, they grow up understanding, you're talking about in grammar school, that that's a woman's choice, whether for a life to come into the world. You have just basically diminished the sacredness of life just with that comment. So I'm now 17, 16. Somebody's giving me a problem, get rid of it. Somebody's giving me issues, I, I, I'm going to abort you. I mean, it, it, there's no sense of the sanctity of life. Life is sacred. Now, there's always been murders. We couldn't get out of Genesis without murder. But it's never been like this, where it's so deeply ingrained in the society and to not abhor it and not for it to be offensive or, or that it would even be indeed considered as a viable uh, reason to do something or to take care of a problem. Uh, we, we have to roll that back. And I'm gonna tell you something right now, June 24th, 2022, was it helped? Because now this generation coming up is a man, they overturned that and said it was wrong. Oh, yeah, now it's a now it's a battle. Now it's a battle for the consciousness of the country. And uh, we have to take that on since especially the church, since we allowed it to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so some people argue that unequal outcomes prove that a policy slash practice is institutionally racist. In other words, if a policy hurts or helps one race, 
slash ethnicity more than others, then that policy is racist. Along this train of thought is abortion choice policy, an example of institutional racism. Well, I have always said, indeed, unquestionably. Now, we have to understand the different factions here, but it would have to be institutional racism when you're targeting a, 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 an ethnicity. You're targeting a people with a service, more or less, that's eliminating, causing physical harm, causing so, psychological harm. Uh, I look at the same system as welfare. Welfare took men out of the house with the promise of goods and services. That was a carrot that led to destruction. Uh, God starts with man. You don't attack the man. That's that's the problem uh, with many uh, right now uh, of this country is the absentee father. Well, you had a system that said, I don't want the father in the house and we'll give you money. That's racism. That's institutional racism. And when you have uh, more or less, if it had been up to, quite honestly, the Democrat Party, the leading abortion provider in this country would have been a part of the government. It would be completely funded. It would be completely ingrained into the society because they have this thing, these global elitists, whoever they are, they have a saying about social engineering. They want to control people. They want to know, indeed, how many children you have. Well, we don't want you to have children, but we want you to have children. That's social engineering. If you want to see it, it's what China attempted to do. Now they're trying to back out of it because they realize <laughs> they're even. All the girls are being killed. Okay, so you have all the men, the one-child family rule. I mean... It's something unquestionably demonic, okay? And uh, the be but the fact of the matter is they feel it will strengthen them politically. They feel they'll have more control. And really, it comes down to a Marxist thing that government is God, and we make those decisions, and it, it eliminates faith. So uh, hopefully... And that, that answers my question. Of course, that's my sure. perspective. Okay. So some people call abortion in America a black genocide. Is this overstating slash misrepresenting the case? Absolutely not. In 2002, I created the website blackgenocide.org when I saw the numbers. It's, once again, not hyperbole. Okay, once again, uh, over 20 million African-Americans are not here simply due to a law that was passed in 1973 with the intent for the end that we are experiencing right now, the genocide effect on the African-American community. If you add up AIDS, uh, violent crimes, heart disease, uh, accidents, if you add them all up, they don't come to half of the total of African-Americans killed by abortion. Abortion is the leading killer of African-Americans, and that was the design in 1973. I'm not making this up. That These are their own words. This is their ideology. 
Uh, it can be easily proven in the classroom, which I love to get the opportunity to do sometimes. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, I, I don't I don't give my opinion. I give the facts of what was said and what their directives were. So we're uh, we're living in a time, uh, unquestionably, that it is shifting and it is it is being turned around. But uh, right now, those facts alone certainly show that the uh, the objective of the genocidal effect of the abortion industry to create the problem that we are now remedying was deliberate and systemic. So was Martin Luther King Jr. pro-life, pro-choice, or something else? I have on my website, once again, I'm not plugging my website, but that question gets asked. I go back to an Ebony interview in the 50s. And if you read that interview clearly, unquestionably, you know. Uh, now, he wasn't a saint, all right? But his ideology, his his philosophical views on life itself basically were from the faith that he had come to embrace. He went to India, he saw Gandhi, but he realized what Gandhi was doing was already in the Bible. And so when he came back, he became even more deeper into the faith because uh, he recognized he was searching for the answers and the answers were right there. And he had gone to seminary with those same questions still being asked. So. Martin Luther King said, <clears throat> oh, what's that phrase? He's basically said, uh, the Negro cannot win if he chooses to sacrifice his children for, for immediate comfort and safety. I'll repeat that. The Negro cannot win if he chooses to sacrifice his children for immediate comfort and safety. He wasn't even talking about abortion. He was talking about if we did not respond to the plights of the injustices of society at this time, we were basically sacrificing our children. Okay. Once again, it was Martin Luther King that had revered Jefferson's statement uh, in the Declaration of Independence um, that we hold these truths. Okay. So that person, and in the interview in Ebony Magazine, when a person came to him and said, Have I done wrong? and they had caused the woman to have abortion, he said, yes, you have, okay? And he was totally, and I might add, uh, also in that same article, it was like prophetic that a person felt that they were having uh, homosexual tendencies and that that was a part of their own life. And he told them in the thing, he said, you were not born that way. Martin Luther King said, this is, not something you were born with. This is something that you can get help with. And, 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 but you are basically expressing them. You are a child of God. You can get help. Just as any other child of God can get help from this, from their issues and problems and vices that we have that we know are offensive to God. And, uh, he was a great orator of love, Dr. King. And so, yes, uh, I, I know Alveda King, good friend, and uh, certainly the father uh, of uh, Martin Luther King was <laughs> talked her out of an abortion. Okay, Dr. Alveda King talked her out of it, told her, you're not going to kill my grandchild. 
All right. So to say that Martin Luther King would have been against his father, I can tell you right now, if you ever read some of the stories and things that uh, around the family and whatnot, that I know <laughs> was not the case. But uh, just from his writings uh, and just from uh, he also, my goodness, I forgot his letter from a Birmingham jail in that letter in a jail by himself. He's writing from his heart. He said the early church put an end to such evils as gladiator contests and infanticide. Mm. He's in jail. He called infanticide evil. And I did an article addressed it to Barack, uh, Barack Obama. And I said, Which, <clears throat> what, why do you call good what Martin Luther King called evil? because he was a great supporter of Planned Parenthood, uh, Barack Obama. He would speak at their banquets, uh, but he called it good. Well, Martin Luther King called infanticide evil. All right, so, you know, who am I going <laughs> to, whose side of I should I be on? So don't invoke his name if you don't have its value. So, you know, that was my point, but go ahead. Yes, that, Martin yeah. Luther King was pro-life. <laughs> Makes sense. Um so some people argue that abortion choice helps reduce inequalities for underprivileged people. Does abortion reduce poverty slash inequality slash injustice? Basically, you're doing an injustice. So an injustice to anyone anywhere is an injustice to everyone everywhere. Uh, people, I understand their logic. You're not going to be able to raise a child. You're not going to be able to fend for the child. You'd be much you do you'd be much better off without the child. But that does not prove out economically. It does not prove out, and it hasn't certainly proved out in the Soviet Union. Abortion is uh, for each woman in the Soviet Union has eighteen abortions, which no one indeed knows because it's not talked about. But I know missionaries, and I checked out that data. But guess what? Crime, poverty, uh, injustices reign with each woman having 18 abortions. Okay? So to think that less abortion will bring about economic prosperity is wrong. You can't show me anywhere in the world where you could point to that, basically, and say that that's the answer for this country. What? The answer is, and see, and let me also interject something real quick. We're trying to find an answer for something God said don't do. Fornication, sex before marriage, he says it's going to cause problems. So if you choose to have sex before marriage, I'm not going to come up with something that's going to remedy that and not have it to have any ramifications or retribution against the society itself. There's going to be problems. So uh, the answer basically is not abortion. It's more repentance and get back into the formula that God has, and that is marriage. So you can't, you can't take out the institution God made first and diminish it as if it is not impacting and powerful. And that was the problem which I stated earlier. God started with man, woman, and children. How are you going to take the man out? and feel that everything is going to be cohesive and, and functional. You know it's going to be dysfunctional. And you're not going to 
be promiscuous and have a society that totally encourage these children and adults to have sex indiscriminately and not have problems. There is no answer to that other than repent. You cannot do it. There's no answer for it. You want an answer for something that God said don't do. No. Okay. Family is the point of reference of marriage. And we, and from that union comes children. And if you do anything else other than that, there's going to be problems. And if you can follow that formula, you'll be safer. Health-wise, you certainly will be safer. And you will have, and, and by the way, especially African-American men do five times better married than they do single. Five times. I don't have the data in front of me. You asked me this question. I said, but you, you do far better married than single. So the lie is stay single, enjoy life. That is sociologically wrong, empirically wrong. The data does not prove that. Now, uh, let me clarify that. If Jesus said it is not good for man to be alone, God said it's not good for man to be alone. He said because not everybody can receive the saying of singleness. Some people should be single. God said that's what the Lord said. But not every man can receive that saying. He said that's a special calling to be single. So if you're going to be single, you cannot be spreading your seed about everywhere, man. And if you're going to be single, young lady, you cannot be sleeping with every man and in a club and having indiscriminate sex. It cannot be. There's no answer for that. All right. And you can bring up the economics and everything else. Uh, it's going to be problems. But the answer is marriage. Abortion clinics predominate in black slash minority communities. What does this say about uh, the abortion industry? As I alluded to earlier, that they're deliberately targeting the African-American community by design. And uh, it's just as anything else, uh, you put what you're attempting to uh, to propagate or to sell or to market into the community that you had desired to have the greatest effect on. And uh, Planned Parenthood has made this practice. And also we have to understand that Planned Parenthood is uh, has been, since its inception, a racist institution, clearly. And by its own admission now, it has done great harm to people of color. They didn't say they did great harm to uh, all people. They specifically said, no, we've done great harm to people of color. They didn't say we've done great harm to white. White people have abortions. Their birth rate is at 2.1, 2.2. No, That's extremely low. You're, you need 2.1 to reproduce yourself. Uh, African-Americans is at 1.97. We're not even reproducing. That's with immigration and everything else. We're not reproducing. So we are unquestionably, uh, I believe, at a turning point right now. And uh, we have to also recognize that, uh, you know, it's it's been a lack of judgment and really a the best kept secret uh, in, in the country was black genocide. But it's being exposed now. Some people claim that the biggest problem black families face is absent fathers. 
Others say that's a myth or that the bigger underlying problem is corruption slash racism in the justice system. More specifically, the justice system is targeting black men to pull them away from their families and put them in jail, effectively creating the new Jim Crow. Who's telling the truth here, and how does this impact abortion rates in black homes? I agree with, I think I've I've said it already, um, the man missing from the home has created children with a lack of identity, of knowing who they are, and very susceptible to the ills of society. And that's not to take away from the great job many single mothers do, who really were not expecting to be single mothers, but it's just turned maybe through bad decisions or just having the wrong view of life. They really thought they would raise the child with the person that they uh, slept with. But it Certainly, that was not the case. And with the situation, especially in the inner city, where 85%, the inner city, 85% of the homes there are headed by a single parent. And so uh, it would have to be the African-American man missing from the family. Now, because he's missing and in the house doesn't mean he does not associate. Okay, what am I saying? Uh, Because a man is missing from the day-to-day raising of the child, doesn't mean he's not seeing the mother every now and then, and doesn't mean he's not seeing somebody else. (laughs) What is happening is that basically you've taken away the responsibility of the Adam. When God came to check on his first family, he didn't ask where Eve was. He asked where Adam was. Well, if he was to go into the inner city, into the families to check on the families, he, he 85% of those homes could not produce Adam. So that's a problem. That's issues. In this, and there's always going to be problems when you're out of the pattern and out of the uh, the mandate that God has laid out for the family and for and for and for life uh the targeting of the system i i say to your listeners are african-american males targeted by the system yes they are okay how do i know that i know that by the way they levy out crime the the, the penalty for crime uh cocaine is Oh, God, 70 to 60% less time for cocaine than crack. It's, it's all crack. It's all cocaine. Okay. So, but on Wall Street, okay, there's less penalty for years time. But the same substance is now uh, on Bedford Stuy here in the inner city. You're doing two or three times more of the time. Same substance. Okay. Well, that would tell me that some part of town is being targeted okay and uh that would also let me to know that indeed that certain people are avoiding arrest that have money and certain people are avoiding time okay they're getting probation some kids are getting two or three years all right and uh, you mentioned the new jim crow i read most of that book and that that's unfortunately the case when prisons are making money, you need people in prisons, okay? 
Now, once again, same as abortion, okay? If father's in the home, who determines the sexuality of a child at birth? It's not mom, it's dad. I believe it's the same thing after birth. A young man needs his father to call him a man, to speak into him. And the young lady needs her father to tell her she's pretty, tell her she's special, tell her she's loving. And she's to be a, a palace, I think the scripture teaches. She's to be adored. If fathers were in the home, the lyrics to the songs would change. The 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 uh, the things that draw kids would change because the fathers would have cut them off from lyrics that call girls hoes, bitches, and everything else. That's not what my daddy said. But if there's no daddy home, maybe this daddy is telling me who I am. And the question with gender, the question with someone's sexuality. The man basically determined it in the womb. He also speaks to who he saw produce, uh, who was announced. Well, when I was born, <laughs> they checked just one area to find out what I was, and they decreed he's a male child. Well, then my orientation began. The orientation for a man and for, and for a girl, because a baby hold, knows a different touch between a girl and know the different touch between, between I'm sorry, between mom and between dad. Those things socially are important. If a young girl has not been hugged enough by a man, not in any way to have any type of uh, sexual thing, but hug her because she is his and loving, she's missing that as well as a man, there's going to be problems. There's going to be problems with their own identity. Okay, there's going to be issues and mom can't do that. I think that proves that uh, right now. Mom cannot do that alone. Okay, dad has to be there to balance it out or someone has to step in. Someone has to step in, especially with the girls. Someone has to step in because they will be highly susceptible. It's part of the curse of Genesis. Your desire shall be to the man, to your husband. That's that's a curse because that means he defines me to a certain degree but she has to get that de definition from god and a man who is a mentor who cares for her all right so anyway all right that's once again <laughs> that's, that's the wrap <laughs> oh thank you that's a good answer so black lives matter blm has raised mixed feelings among among black people in america we can all grant that racism still exists and there is plenty of work still to be done to heal racial animosity, to hold authorities accountable like police, courts, etc., and to address other race-based problems in America. Nevertheless, BLM has also aligned with certain progressive and left-wing political causes, including abortion choice policy and dismantling the Western nuclear family. What exactly is BLM and what are your thoughts on BLM in relation to family and abortion policy? Well, first of all, the children of this world are wiser than the children of light because George Soros and his people saw 
uh, that indeed, if they could create the right narratives and with the help of the media, that a black group would have a great influence on the nation. And I didn't think it'd be as bad as it was, but it certainly was. Needless to say, once again, thank God I've already said these things. BLM did was not supportive of a man being in the home. It was to empower women. The problem that we have right now, they accentuated it. They, they blew it up. Uh, it's Marxist. It's a Marxist ideology that they were producing. But it was tried, it, it was definitely made, and thank God I said this from day one, all right, never was on the bandwagon a day, all right, I said it was to destabilize the country. There's a political agenda behind this, and I, did, I know now more than I did then when I first said it, and the other thing is Black Lives Matter, but you partnered with Planned Parenthood. You partnered with Planned Parenthood, the leading killer of African Americans. So, uh, and 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 I'm not taking the issue with Patrice Cullors being a lesbian, lesbian, and two others. Hey, listen, what what are you what are you coming with? Now, your lifestyle is your business until you impose it upon me and my children. But are you talking about black life? Or are you talking about a self? Uh, serving an organization that doesn't, has nothing to do with truly uh, justice, black justice, or justice administered to blacks in the country. The families that you made all the money off of didn't receive anything. And she has million dollar properties. I That is, <laughs> I kind of liked it because I was saying all along it was a scam. And that they were manipulating people and that it had a political agenda. And that political agenda did not benefit African-Americans. It did not benefit African-Americans. It benefited the global elitist group, whatever they are, whoever they are, that right now wants global citizens, that feels America has too much influence in the world with our, with our old value system. So they're trying to take away our values. They're trying to strip us of the Judeo-Christian ethic. And by the way, anyone who's listening to this, understand it was the Judeo-Christian ethic that eliminated slavery, that eliminated abortion was attempting to, that eliminated our social ills. Okay. Not doing away with it. It was all the abolitionists were preachers. Okay. They believed in the Bible. All right. They said this is wrong. So we need that element always to keep us in check to be citizens that live out our creed, as Martin Luther said, Martin Luther, that we hold these truths. You can't hold that truth unless God is holding you, okay? And when we put that away, we become what we're become, what we are right now, but hopefully that will change, and I believe it will. It, but they're Marxist group. They were never intended to really help. It was to destabilize uh, the country to get across a political agenda of control and to really uh, transform the nation to a more socialist, Marxist ideology and rule. In, in your opinion, what's the biggest misconception that minorities tend to believe about abortion? that it's safe, 
legal <laughs> and that it's rare. Uh, one, it is not safe. It is detrimental to your health. Abortion has caused more women to become sterile than any other thing that we have here on the planet. It's the most performed operation on a woman. So they are really unquestionably uh, deceived. And I challenge anybody to challenge what I just said. Um, get your facts straight and, and, and come to the table and be, be happy to debate. Uh, it should not, just because it was illegal doesn't mean it was lawful. Slavery was legal, uh, but it wasn't lawful. And this is not lawful. And you're, uh, it's intellectually dishonest to take away the life of someone else while claiming a right for your own. I can't, my right can't take away your right to life. Okay. So my body, my choice. No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. And what about the body inside the womb? What about their choice? I have a saying pro-choice. That's a lie. Babies do not choose to die. Okay. What about their choice? Okay. So um, I, I feel also that, uh, what was your question again? Yeah. <laughs> what's the biggest, I don't want to miss sure, the question. What's the biggest misconception um, yeah. um, that minorities tend to And believe? that it's rare. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I said save. <laughs> that is safe, legal, and rare. It's rare. It is. We have over 21 million at this point African Americans missing due to abortion by design. So your misconception is that it's uh, something that is going to help you become reach your goals to be up on a mobile. It is going to be a greater detriment that you can ever possibly imagine. Once again, as I stated earlier, it's something once you've done it unquestionably you will live with the rest of your life and you listen to the groups silent no more and listen to some of the testimony of those women still hearing the vacuum still feeling the child move they know exactly when the birth of the child i mean these things uh haunt them and there is deliverance though many of them have found freedom at the altars at the church and, you know, but, you, you know, as the woman taking an adultery go and sin no more, they need that, that, that reconciliation with God. And I also would, I'd be very remiss if I did not say God forgives and go on. But, but we don't want to uh, endorse anything that would cause you unquestionably pain. Um, but you have to recognize that repentance will help that woman come to a psychological balance and peace with from within and then she can go on because the ones that don't live in torment they live in torment
Our sponsors include Heritage House, Patriot Insurance, and iRapture.com. The Pro-Life Team Podcast is a ministry of iRapture.com. If you would like to explore making a donation or becoming a sponsor or have a recommendation for who would be a good guest on the podcast, please contact us at hello at prolife.team.